It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to our Bears 49ers postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears hung in there. They had to fight tooth and nail for this 14-9 victory over the 49ers as they, as they clinched their 11th victory of the year. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down today's game, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Nicholas Moriano. I know you have some cold hands today. We're just talking about that, but... If you had to sum up today's game in one word, what would that be? I haven't asked that in a while. Oh, man, that's a tough one because as we were just saying, that was a very interesting and I would say suspenseful would be actually a really good word to break this one down because at any moment it just seemed like maybe the Bears are going to give up, they're going to come back, and then it ends up being a 14-9 and game. But I think suspenseful, suspenseful for no reason basically would be the best way to characterize this, this game against the 49ers. Yeah, I know uh, based off of how Twitter's been reacting, it's been a very, it was a very rough game to watch. I mean, I know you felt it. I felt it as well. But hey, we can take a breath knowing that the Bears did find a way to win, which again, when it's all said and done, um, a year from now, we're just going to look at this as a victory. It's not, and that's going to be about it. But let's just go ahead and break down this game. Uh, and let's, let's begin like we always do with our opening drive in the first quarter of our show. And we have to begin with my monster moment. And mine's going to be the actually the scoring drive, the entire one, on the very first possession of the second half. The Bears went 90 yards. It was a nearly eight-minute drive. That, in fact, it was actually the Bears' longest drive of the season. And on it, Mitchell Trubisky is a perfect 7-of-7 seven seven for 49 yards. They only faced one third down. It was a third and two once they already reached the red zone. Jordan Howard, he was on the move each and every time they gave him the ball up the middle. It was a great drive overall, great play calling. They took over the lead, and they never looked back. So, for me, that's going to be my monster moment. After they were down at halftime, the first time they touched the ball, was able to come up with a 90-yard scoring drive, and which ended up being the difference maker. For me, that has to be the monster moment. And Nick, I'm going to go over to you next while I look up a stat for uh, for Brandon's stat of the game here. Do you have a knack or a knock today? Because in a game like this, I know in wins you usually go with a knack, but I can also see you going with a knock. You know what? I will go, and I think you just kind of swayed me to go with the knock for this one. Even though the Bears did win 14-9 in any victory you, you want to take, uh, just with every single player, you didn't know whether or not they're actually going to hang on to the football at some point. And there were some times where, you know, like Allen Robinson, he did, uh, I guess he fumbled twice One, his knee was down for one of them. And then that caught that one at the end there where you have the game sealed and you just need to go down. But there was ball security was a little bit of an issue in this one, even though the bears had what I think it was two fumbles on day. It's still when the ball is out, doesn't matter regardless or not, if you're down or not, you just want to be able to have it secure all the way through, regardless of waiting for the officiating or whether knee is down, just take that out of the consideration and just get down when you can and hold on to the football because there are a lot of times where maybe it's a centimeter off the ground and maybe that is a fumble for Allen Robinson. I think it was on the first possession of the second half that's going the other way or something like that. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're allowing the football to be loose and 
I think in this one, that was definitely, um, you know, prevalent. So the Bears just need to get do better moving forward with taking care of the football. Yeah, because you have Trubisky's fumble, which was a backwards pass, which we'll get to that here in a little bit. Robin's fumble at the end of the game, like you mentioned, could have put the game on ice. I mean, the Bears were lucky enough to have a good defense going up against the 49ers offense down the stretch here. Um, and then what? Allen Robinson almost had one, and a couple plays later, the same thing in the same area of the field to Trey Burton. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. The Bears' ball security, even though there's only two fumbles on the stat sheet, which even then, two is a little bit too much, uh, there could have been even more today. So really good knock there, if there is such thing as a good knock. Uh, so for me, for the stat of the game, I'm actually going to go with the Bears' red zone defense today because on the stat sheet, you're going to see them uh, for the 49ers. They reached the red zone three times. Technically, I'm calling it four um, because – Danny Trevathan's interception ended up being when the 49ers were at 20. I'm calling that the red zone. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. So for me, the Bears defense allowed the 49ers to be in the red zone four times. One time was a gift from the offense. Um, but regardless, they only put up nine points today. So for me, the Bears red zone defense keeping the 49ers out of the end zone, despite the fact that they were able to reach the red zone four different times today, to me has to be the side of the game and the difference maker when it's all said and done. Nick, I want to go over to you. Can you give us the lowdown? What's the specific reason why the Bears still ended up on the right side of things today? Well, I think it's because of that defense. When you mentioned four four times in the red zone, only allowing nine points, um, that makes you win games right right then and there. And then when you get that turnover at a costly point in the game, with Danny Trevathan just showing the concentration and, you know, the reaction skills to get that interception, it couldn't have come at a better time, honestly. I mean, uh, the Bears were in this one, it seemed like, uh, there was a couple times Prince of Mukamura dropped an interception. Usually those t- turnovers that happen for the Bears, you know, just didn't go their way this time. But, you know, the one Dane Trevathan interception did. But I think it all, all goes to the defense. In the first half, they didn't have a sack on Nick Mullins. But they started to pick it up in the second half, just applying pressure, just making things, you know, uh, not comfortable for him. And then Akeem Hicks had three blocked passes, three bad passes. Like, that's, again, everybody doing a little bit to in order for the defense to have the outcome that it did. Nine points against a 49ers team that just last week, you know, beat the the Seattle Seahawks in a, you know, a very tight game there. So they did a really good job in that aspect. And Nick Mullins, when he has time, he can make some throws or he decides to throw it uh, when he should have ran the ball at the end there, which uh, we will thank Nick Mullins for that one because yes, sir. that was a bonehead move by him. But I think it all goes back to the defense is really why this Bears team won. And also we'll probably talk about it, the play of Trubisky. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of Trubisky, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I did want to go over to you first. MVB, who are you going with? Because I might go with number 10. Yeah, I think number 10 is really deserving of it. Uh, when you finish with 246 yards, one touchdown, he had some of those plays that you were questioning, like uh, obviously that backwards pass and stuff like that. But, you know, you'll take that. Uh, because he did end up with, like I said, 25 uh, of 29, 246 yards. And he just seems to elevate his play when for some reason the offense goes out first, the bears are six and zero when that happens. Uh, and then he did it on the road and Trubisky was a big part of that. And just how that offense at times was able to move the ball efficiently assessment of Mitch Trubisky. Well, for me, I want to begin. You talked about him being accurate 25 of 29. Well, I just saw this tweet from Kevin Fishbane. Um, a bears quarterback has attempted 16 or more passes in a game um, in a bears uniform, 916 times since 1950. Trubisky wow. had the most accurate day out of all those quarterbacks for any quarterback in a Bears uniform with more than 16 passes with his 25-29, which via my Google calendar uh, calendar calculator here, that is a whopping 82.75% completion percentage, which is a very efficient game. You talked about it, though. He was very efficient. He made the plays when he needed to, um, especially down the stretch. You talk about that fourth and one. Um, that ballsy call on your own 35, and he was able to get it through the quarterback sneak. 
Um, and, a and a little bit later, too, uh, there's a third down, and he was able to hit, excuse me, Allen Robinson uh, for a great pass on the sideline, too. So for me, Trubisky, like you said, he hit all the throws. And down in crunch time, he hit him as well. And even though I would say earlier on, I was kind of questioning what kind of day we're going to see from Trubisky, it was a very sound performance overall. Two weeks in a row where he's been very efficient and even though that one backwards pass still has me kind of like banging my head against the table just a little bit. Um, it's like you said, it's maybe one I wouldn't say live with because you don't want to see him make those mistakes. But in the grand scheme of how today kind of shook out, I'm fine with it. Um, how the 49ers with their pressure was early on, he did a great job of evading some of that rush, moving out of the pocket, making some throws. There's a great one to Mizell on the sideline that kind of comes to mind to me. Um, but in the second half, when the offensive line kind of shored some things up, gave him some more time to work with, and the 49ers kept sticking with a zone defense, he found a way to pick apart the zone. And that's exactly what we wanted to see, and that's why he's going to be my MVB. Any final thoughts on uh, Trubisky's MVB performance? Because I know we're going to talk about him a little bit more, but any other reasons why you believe he's deserving? Well, I think just uh, even though the offense wasn't having its best day, he was the most consistent, most, uh, you know, a good part of why they were able to, you know, at least put up 14 points, get those two touchdown drives uh, just because of what you said, just being accurate with the ball and just being able to uh, make for the most part, the right decision. So uh, I think that all equates to him having and becoming this uh, MVP for this, uh, this podcast, this game. But yeah, I think uh, for the most part, it's because of him that the bears actually had success today. All right. Good stuff there, Nick. That's going to wrap up the first quarter of our week 16 postgame show. And before we enter the second quarter and break down the Bears offenses performance, I need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's really hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being at a Chicago Bears game in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Personally, I thoroughly enjoy how SeatGeek allows you to kind of sort the tickets by value, and then you can even set a maximum price. So when you combine these two features, you know, I'm instantly able to see the best seats that fit my budget. I love to do that. That way I know I'm getting the best seat I possibly could have with my kind of budget constraints here, uh, post-college life, student loans. <laughs> but every purchase on SeatGeek gets fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is, you know, the Bears Brothers, we all have this app on our phones and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere, pull our phones within a few taps, instantly find some seats. I was looking at Bears playoff tickets. Of course, they're a little bit more pricey than a regular season, but it's been eight long years since the Bears are in the playoffs. So if you want to go root them on at, at Soldier Field at their home game for the first week of the playoffs, or maybe second, we have to see how this all kind of shakes up here down the stretch. Um, definitely check out SeatGeek for those tickets, or if you're looking at uh, Minneapolis for the final game of the regular season. Uh, they have those tickets as well. And of course, our listeners, they get a special deal here. They get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we are breaking down the Bears' victory against the 49ers, and it's time to dive into our discussion on the Bears' offense that had a very rough first quarter, um, I would say even a rough quarter and a half, um, but once they were able to get that ball late in the second half and they put together back-to-back scoring drives, uh, things kind of fell into place. So let's start with, with the beginning here, Nick. Why were the Bears struggling so early? You know, that's a good question. Um, I mean, when you look at the, how this offense was running uh, just in that first first half, really, you have the punt, then you have the missed field goal, another punt, and then a fumble. Then you don't actually get success on the offense until the second or the last drive uh, for the Bears uh, in, in the first half where they get that touchdown uh, to Jordan Howard, the, the rushing touchdown. So there's a lot of things that just weren't working. My mistake, that was the Allen uh, or the, the Miller sell the fade, come back to the comeback reception. So they didn't, they were just very inconsistent. What was going on? There was also some penalties that happened in there. Um, when you have these almost fumbled, not fumbled plays, it was just a little off in the beginning. So, um, and I think for the most part, you know, just even being down by what they were down going into halftime, you're like, you're happy with that because of how inconsistent the offense was. So it was a lot of things that were going to it. And I thought the offensive line in the first half didn't do a very good job 
one, just creating holes for Jordan Howard or even, you know, just blocking the guys in front of him. I know James Daniels was a guy that kind of struggled a little bit, but there was just a bunch of inconsistencies all over the field for the offense in that first half. Right. I think, I mean, I saw on Twitter, a lot of the beat writers were having a hypothesis here that the Bears were experimenting with some plays to see what kind of things they can build off for the playoffs, which maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. That was just their observation. I didn't really get that same kind of vibe. It just seemed like uh, things were a little bit off after Allen Robinson uh, kind of left for that injury for a little bit. It seemed like uh, without his presence out there, the Bears didn't really know exactly how they wanted to attack that defense early on this game. And you mentioned that the offensive line, too, with their struggles early, it was kind of hard to get really anything going, anything established. And I think that's why when you saw the scoring drive late in the second, first half, and then, of course, early in the third quarter, uh, the offensive line really settled down, held their own, and that's when the offense started was able to kind of get moving. So for me, I think it all lives and dies. I mean, Brandon is here. He'd say that games were won and lost in the trenches, and I believe this is a perfect example of that because early on the Bears had a, a hard time really generating any push. Trubisky was running for his life, and things weren't working as a result. Things kind of calmed down. Uh, Trubisky was able to hold his own, and things from that point forward was working much more efficiently. Uh, one general thought I wanted to kind of point out here, and you and I talked about it on the pregame show earlier on in the week, um, was the Bears and how they've been kind of uh, mediocre on third down, I guess would be the word I want to use here, over the last three weeks, only converting on 29%. Uh, San Francisco does rank 13th entering this week at 38%, and the Bears today were just shy of 50%, 5 of 11 on third down. So for me, the Bears finding a way to become more efficient on this down to, is going to Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. B. A good sign moving forward. Hopefully, we'll see what they can do against Minnesota. But I knew it was going to be a tough test today against the 49ers defense. Uh, they were able to kind of show it. And they kept a lot of these third downs in third and manageable, which is a big reason behind the success. A lot of thirds and uh, six and shorter. Uh, so for me, the Bears' ability to stay ahead of the six, stay on schedule, convert on third down is a positive takeaway. Do you have any other positive takeaways from this game as a general offense? You know what? I really like what they were able to do in spurts with the play-action game. Um, You saw some things just kind of open up when uh, Matt Nagy would call these play-action plays. And whether it was a throwback to the other side of the field to a Jordan Howard where there's a bunch of blockers in front of him or with the Ben Broniker reception, uh, I thought that because the Bears were able to run the ball effectively with Howard and Cohen, um, even though they only ended, I think, total 90 yards rushing as a team, they were still able to build off of that by utilizing the play-action. So there are definitely, even though only 14 points were scored, there are definitely some positives you can take away, and I think the play-action game is one of them. I think the Bears will definitely want to utilize that moving forward, especially because their running game is actually becoming effective now. Exactly. I mean, those two complement one another, and even though, like you said, even though Jordan Howard only had 53 yards on 13 carries, um, he was a little bit more, I would say, effective than the stat line would indicate um, with some very strong runs up the middle really bending that defense. And like you were saying, the play action kind of worked as a result. And early on, too, the Bears were getting everybody involved in a running game, which uh, kind of surprised me. The first play of the game was actually an end around Allen Robinson. Uh, you saw Taylor Gabriel get in the mix, Anthony Miller. So it's crazy um, that we're still here. And usually you see one or two of these guys get some of those touches. And yeah, three receivers quickly in this game getting some rushing attempts, which I thought was surprising a little bit again with Matt Nagy it's kind of hard to say anything surprises you um, but that one did take me by uh, a slight surprise I would say mm -hmm. I was right, getting into some uh, player specifics here and we already kind of talked on Trubisky a lot in this game but um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about him because again a very efficient 246 yards throwing a touchdown um, he was sacked three times um, one in the second half two in the first um, but again, it seems like more of the same kind of things we talked about last week after the game. He was playing within the system, didn't try to do too much. Um, but he had that one, which almost was the interception. Good thing there was a penalty that kind of brought that back. But overall, how would you assess number 10 today? You know, I thought overall, I thought Trubisky played well. And we talked about that in the beginning. But I will say this, and, you know, a lot of people on Twitter were mentioning it because, and I was thinking the same exact thing. It seems like with Trubisky, um, when things break down, he has to, you know, improvise there. 
uh, just well, uh, there's two specific plays I'm thinking about. The one play where it's the read option and he throws that pass to Tariq Cohen and ends up fumbling. One look, you just you, you have to live for another down at that point. He should have saw that the corner was playing up, was going to you know hit Cohen regardless. He was in no man's land, so you're throwing that ball and you don't know what can end up happening. Trubisky just slide, take the sack, lose a yard on that one. And then the play that you just mentioned, the interception, look, he did a lot of Houdini-like routines just to get out of that situation, then, you know, end up throwing the ball. And luckily, there was a holding penalty, a, a, a small holding penalty on Allen, uh, on Allen Robinson. But at times, you just got to live with what the defense is giving you and not try to force it. It doesn't have to be a home run ball or a big play every single time. That's the that's what I've noticed with Trubisky at times where uh, when he does escape, he wants to just make a big play happen. I mean, I think that's just uh, who he is as a competitor in him. But at some point, you just got to live with what the defense is giving you. So those are two specific plays that I want him to just learn from. But overall, I thought he did great, you know, with decision making. Uh, yes, there was a I know he threw a ball to Adam Shaheen in double coverage. Kind of lucky that one didn't get picked off. But, you know, Shaheen almost had an opportunity to make that catch. Overall, though, Trubisky played well, just has to learn from those mistakes. Right. And it's funny, like when we can, you know, pick apart, you know, incompletions, that's crazy. I mean, that just kind of mm-hmm. proves how efficient of a day he had. Yeah, with that Shaheen ball, if he would have placed that a little higher, it could have been a touchdown, too. They got away yeah. from pass interference. Again, I'm not trying to gripe too much on officiating, but I'm looking here. He hit 10 different targets, 10 different Bears caught a ball today and on top of that based off my count if i'm wrong i excuse me i'm doing this on the fly seven of those receivers he was 100 percent when targeting them today with the only incompletions coming uh two from alan robinson when he went his way let's see what else did i say uh, one from adam shaheen and then another one to jordan howard the rest were perfect so that proves just how well he was in the system like where he would take well you kind of said take what the defense gives you and additionally uh reading the zone correctly finding the open man and giving to them in space and he did that very well today that's the reason why you're seeing 10 different guys uh getting involved here getting a piece of the pie as i like to say uh so for me that's a, that's an encouraging sign. He's not king in on one guy a little bit too much or a little bit too often like we've seen uh, maybe from him in the past a little bit. But he's spreading the wealth. He's been doing that great over the last two weeks. And if he can continue that with the plethora of playmakers we have who can make plays, I mean, that's going to make it very hard for any defense to stop this offense if you have to worry about an Allen Robinson, a Trey Burton, a Taylor Gabriel. And then if you have to worry about a Taekwon Mazel somehow, I don't know how he was able to hold that ball, someone who's always – Seems to have me, uh, you know, shaking my fist at the sky, wondering why he's even in there. So if he can elevate the play like this and even get like a guy like Ben Bronicker involved, defense is going to have a hard time covering everybody, which is that that's what they had happen, uh, the, you know, late in the first half and, of course, early in the second half as well. Um, I just want to note, too, just in case for those listening who wasn't able to catch the broadcast or isn't on Twitter or social media too much, uh, today Mitchell Trubisky did become the sixth quarterback in Bears history to have 3,000 yards passing in a single season, so congratulations to him for that. Still another game to go, and he did miss two games with an injury just to kind of put it all in perspective how uh, quickly he was able to reach that number. But, Nick, let's go over to you. Um, looking at the receivers here, and again, all targets included, every position, uh, anyone stand out to you in particular? I think Allen Robinson, to me, does, um, with everyone else doing some of the smaller things underneath. But Robinson with that big catch in the first quarter, um, and then also uh, the nice third down grab, and then also the poor play with the fumble. So those those reasons why he sticks out in my mind. But how about you? You know, I really liked Anthony Miller and what he was able to do. Um, when you see, uh, we talked about on the preview podcast, just setting up these uh, 49ers DBs with double moves. That's exactly what he did running that fade comeback wide open. And he's kind of looking at the DB like, I got you. And that's what Anthony Miller is able to do. He's just a great route runner. And something that's not going to go on the stat sheet and end up getting him ejected from the game. But he stood up. He was the first guy to stand up to for his quarterback. Yes, you're not supposed to do what he did, but he's not going to let that stuff fly. And to me, that was a dirty hit by. Uh, the player um, number 33 in the 49ers. So he gets up in his face is right there to defend his quarterback. And so is the entire Bears sideline. So I, I do love that about Anthony Miller. He just plays with so much emotion. And at times you got to learn to control it. But in that instance, when your quarterback's taking a hit, they shouldn't be. He's right there to defend him. And, you know, he's he, he's having a game where he's setting up people, uh, scoring a touchdown. First time since, man, I have to go back and actually have the stats up here. Anthony Miller, he's been, you know, quiet as of late. Zero receptions against Green Bay last week. 
then uh, have he had a target against the Rams. So he's kind of getting back into the mix of things. And that's exactly what you want to see from, you know, your second round draft pick. And, and, and Anthony Miller is going to be a big focal point for this offense moving forward. All right. Here's a question for you. Are you surprised that the Bears were able to win despite the fact that uh, on offense, Tree Cohen only had 19 total yards? Yeah, that is a little surprising. Huh? He just wasn't uh, the game plan this week when usually it seems like he is. And a lot of things run through Tariq Cohen. But they were saying they were they mentioned something, uh, you know, very uh, informative, I guess, on the on the broadcast is that he could just be a decoy. And I think that's what his goal for this week was. I mean, even though he only he didn't he wasn't as effective on the stat sheet. When you see a Tariq Cohen out there, a lot of attention's going his way, regardless if he's getting the ball or not. So. I think that was his primary goal in this one. Obviously, the Bears would have liked to probably get him a little bit more involved, but it's nice knowing that Tariq Cohen cannot be as involved statistically, and the Bears were still able to find success. Even though they barely edged it out in this one, they were still able to win despite Tariq Cohen having a very uh, effective game on the stat sheet. Yeah, I was like, you know, even I will say 19 yards after watching that game, that felt like less than I actually thought he had, which actually surprised me. But yeah, he had six catches for 12. I guess it's just those negative plays that kind of erase some of those positive ones, but six carries for 12 and then the one catch for seven. For me, when I'm looking at these targets, one other thing that kind of stood out was the usage of these tight ends. Um, All of them, um, Adam Shaheen on the third down. Uh, I still think he may have been very close yeah. to that as well. If he didn't get a good angle, but it seems like the 49ers got their angles on the replays. Again, not griping too much. <laughs> um, but Ben Broniker over the middle, Trey Burton over the middle, finding these soft spots in the zones, um, which you and I talked about in the preview podcast with these linebackers is something that are susceptible to um, getting the proper depth, of course, and just in general, even in man coverage, they're not the best cover linebackers. Um, and the Bears were able to exploit that with their tight end. So for me, um, definitely a positive sign moving forward uh, to kind of see Trey Burton with the five catches for 30. Um, and then additionally, uh, looking at, again, Adam Shaheen. Uh, last, he had bigger numbers last week, but I like that he had a target in the re- in the red zone all the way in the end zone, even though Nick wasn't a fan of the pass. It could have been a better pass. I agree. And then even there on third down for Trubisky to trust him to go out there and go get it in the flat and to turn up field. Those are some growing signs that, ex- that are encouraging for some of these tight ends, which – Lately, it's been more of just a Trey Burton show, and everyone else has kind of fallen a line. So for someone else like an Adam Shaheen and even a Ben Broniker to step up from time to time is definitely going to help out that unit as well. Any final thoughts? Now, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah ahead. I will say this about the tight ends too, because it, after you know the fight kind of broke out, Anthony Miller and then Joshua Bellamy were ejected. So the Bears are down to just two wide receivers. So you need these tight ends to step up. I don't know what their uh, targets and receptions were after that happened, but it's good knowing that you have a lot of these tight ends that Trubisky is familiar with, that he trusts, that he's throwing to earlier in the game. And now you can just kind of plop them into the offense because you're going to need those guys to take the place of two wide receivers that you're now down. And the Bears only dress for each game. So it's nice knowing that you have that diversity and the variety of tight ends that the Bears do and that Mitch is comfortable with. So I just want to add that point in there as well. I just saw here from Patrick Finley that Anthony Miller said the hit on Trubisky was, quote, dirty football. And I agree with that. Yeah, there was this fan that was coming. I said it was a dirty play. This guy comes uh, on Twitter. He's like, that's not a dirty play. Well, he tried to let up. I'm like, he hit him late. He tries to let up. Doesn't make it not dirty. Just makes it less dirty than would have what it would have been if it was a helmet to helmet contact. So I don't know what people are thinking. That was definitely a dirty hit. He gave himself enough time. And that's what we wanted to see from Trubisky. At least give himself enough time, slide properly, not on his you know throwing shoulder. And he did that, and yet he still gets hit for it. So you definitely don't want to see that happening. You know, from players that you know in the rest of the league, just have, having these dirty hits on franchise quarterbacks because you need your franchise quarterback if you want to do anything in this league. Yeah. Now it did look worse live than it did, you know, afterwards. And again, I'm not going to sit here and break down the fight. <laughs> I will mention Kyle Long looked strong uh, during the he replays. Did. He was pushing people back. And I was watching the angle specifically, and I was like, "Hey, it's holding <laughs> up, all right." He's not grimacing. And when Kyle Long's telling everyone to calm down, and he's the voice of reason, you can tell he's been away from football just a little bit too long. And he, I love Kyle Long with that attitude. And he's just like. You know, I kind of like Buddha Kyle Long. Like, it's okay. Calm down, guys. Calm down. <laughs> I was like, this is not the Kyle Long I know and love. But it's okay. Yeah. Calm people down. He didn't want people to get ejected. I understand. He yeah, he's blocking like he was blocking like five guys. And when once you put him in pads and he only has to block like one or two, I think he's gonna be fine because he's sailing. doing a hell of a job there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick, uh, Jordan Howard. We kind of talked about him already a little bit today. My favorite play from him, um, not situationally, but 
in general um, was that very long delayed screen that they had to him mm-hmm. to the left side, which very good play call, but it took forever to set up. But once he had the ball, he had a huge amount of blockers in front of him. He had the good patience to kind of wiggle through them. He had a really good gain of 17 a day. And then really on the ground, nothing, I want to say special, but it was very effective. He was able to churn. He was able to get those short yard situations. He was able to pick up five to six on a first down run. Again, these are just things that we know from Jordan Howard. We've been watching these for years now. But do you have anything else that you want to mention about Howard before we kind of move on here? You know, it just over the past couple of weeks now, he's just been a little bit more consistent each and every game. And you look at the yards per carry, you know, a 4.1 average. That's exactly what you want to see from Jordan Howard because he's always getting the, you know, always going forward. And we saw that a lot in this game, especially. And just having the patience because, like like we mentioned earlier, the offensive line was, uh, you know, little inconsistent in the beginning, not creating those holes, but Jordan Howard is able to stick with it. Having those 13 attempts is able to, you know, end with 53 yards rushing in that touchdown. So Jordan Howard, this is exactly what we needed from him moving, you know, closer in time for playoffs, a running game, a one that you can rely on. And Jordan Howard's proven that over the past couple of weeks now that he can be the, you know, the bell cow that we've all known for the past two years, thousand yard rusher. So I don't know if he'll get that this year being, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but he's, he's short. He might, if he has a huge game, but it's good to see Jordan Howard going. Absolutely. And I real quickly on the offensive line too, uh, we entered this week saying, Worry about the interior. Don't worry about the edge. And that kind of backfired early on in this game Mm -hmm. with, uh, I don't know his first name, but last name, Marsh for the 49ers, coming in on a stunt, pretty much unblocked, getting to Trubisky. And then, of course, him again going over against Bobby Massey as well. So he was able to make some impact today, a little bit unsurprisingly in the first half. And after I saw the Karate Kid little celebration once, I didn't want to see it again, and then I did. And then DeForest Buckner was someone who he starred and circled. I think everybody did. Only only ended up today with three tackles um, and a sack. So overall, I mean, you can live with that. I mean, with a DeForest Buckner, it could have been way worse. But I believe the offensive line, after a really bad quarter and a half, really turned things around for the better. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Because in the beginning, you saw the stunts that were getting the offensive line. James Daniels, like I said, I don't think he had a very good game, especially early on, was just being moved easily. Was He ended up on the ground a bunch of times, more times than you would like to see your offensive lineman on the ground because he's supposed to be up and blocking and, you know, creating holes for you maybe running back or whatever it may be. But yeah, there were just times where there was some mental lapses as well. So you definitely don't want to see that against. Look, it was DeForest Buckner and then everybody else. Solomon Thomas, the guy that we were kind of talking about, like he couldn't be a factor. I know he had a couple of good plays where he's maybe the decoy in the stunt. And then you have somebody else. So just things that you definitely have to, you know, get squared away because you have Minnesota next week. And we all know what that front seven is able to do. But I think when the second half went on, they definitely fixed up some of those issues. But it was in the first half where you saw uh, it be more of a glaring issue, I would say. All right. Any final thoughts on offense? Uh, 14 points is probably not going to do it, you know, in these other games coming up. Definitely have to work on that. Just have a better, uh, faster start, more efficient first half. But I do like what, I mean, they ended that first half with a touchdown drive. Then they start the second half with a touchdown drive. We just need to see a little bit more consistency. And look, if Mitch Trubisky plays the way he did, being as efficient, limiting those mistakes, um, just being smart with the football, the Bears are going to be a tough team to beat, even though they did score 14. But you know they're going to need a little bit more than that even as great as their defense is. But the offense, Matt Nagy, I like um, you know, some of the things they were doing, build off the play action, build off the run game, and they show that they can do it a little bit in this game. Now build, build off of that going into next week against Minnesota. Exactly. I liked how today, I guess my final thought would be the resiliency, um, because even though things weren't working out early, they were able to find ways to score on back-to-back drives, which again ended up being the difference maker. And on top of that, Despite the Allen Robinson fumble, which again, this is going to take away my entire point, but at least Trubisky and the offense and schematically with Matt Nagy and his play calling did what they needed to do to put this game on ice. And again, the execution on um, Robinson's part not to just go down after he picked up the first down kind of takes that away because they weren't able to do so. But if he would have, <laughs> so if he would have done <laughs> that, my point would have been a real one to make. But I do believe uh, when it comes to Trubisky, when it comes to Matt Nagy, uh, this is one of their better attempts of closing out a game that we've seen him to go forward on a fourth and one Trubisky coming up clutch on a couple third downs as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to build off of. I agree of obviously 14 points isn't going to be enough, but it is with this defense and it has been for a few of these games now. So 
I know we want to see more, and I'm sure that we will once these games matter again, once we reach like January. Um, but I'll take the two scoring drives back to back. And again, that eight minute scoring drive in the third quarter took over 25% of that actual second half. So they're able to hold on to the ball, and that works out as well. Um, in games like this, when uh, things aren't working so hot, you know, like especially with the defense giving up some of these longer drives to San Francisco, which is a little bit more than I expected. Uh, today, a little bit to build off of, I would say, but overall just as a fine performance. We just need a little bit more. All right, so we're officially at the midway point of our show, and up next, we'll enter the third quarter and break down the Bears' defense. But first, I want to wish you all a happy Festivus. And since it's the holiday, uh, I want us to take a moment and celebrate. And Nick, I know you don't watch Seinfeld. You haven't. I've been telling you to do it, so I'm going to catch you up a little bit about Festivus. Uh, I'm not going to tell you everything about it. You have Google, you have a phone, you can figure it out. But <laughs> sure. they have a few different um, activities, and we're doing this podcast over the internet, so we really can't do any of the feats of strength. So I think this would be a perfect time, and we never really sit here and gripe and moan and complain about the officiating too much, but this would be a perfect time to air some of our grievances here on Festivus about that, especially down the stretch. Uh, were you annoyed as I am and everybody else about how the officiating kind of took over this game? Oh, yeah, it just seemed like left and right. There was just a one call. It just seemed like the calls were in favor of the you know the 49ers this week. And then it was just a lot of delay just waiting for the game to presume after, you know, whatever call it was. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. I hate when officiating gets, you know, too involved in any game to where it's just you're, you're ru- ruining the flow of it and things like that, and especially when it's not going towards your, your team's way. There was an offensive pass interference on Allen Robinson and – I saw no no reason for you know that to be called on. He just ran a good route, and the guy, the corner's just stumbling over him. So, yeah, you hate to see officiating get as involved as it was in this one. Yeah, I think my biggest issue were the discrepancies in how they were calling it. Like when the Bears were uh, fumbling, they would you know they would blow the whistle dead, but it seemed like when the 49ers, they kind of let them play it out just a little bit more. Um, that's about it. I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, do I? I kind of get why two bears were ejected compared to the 49ers one. Yeah. I mean, I get it depending on who's throwing the punches, but at the same time, like it all started because of player X hitting Trubisky and then it all kind of went from there. And then we're just kind of protecting our quarterback, but still, I mean, we can also, if you want to hear some grievances, uh, we can talk about Cody Parkey real quick. Oh my goodness. Again, you know, that's look, I thought we, we somewhat solved that issue, but it's rearing its ugly head again. Not 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 good, not good. Because look, I know I said the Bears need to score more, but you mentioned it well. There are times where they only need to score 14 points, or even go back to that Rams game. It was 15 points. They still end up winning, but you're gonna need your field goal kicker to probably make some field goals in those games where the offense isn't getting in the end zone. Cody Parkey, 37 yard field goal, missed it again. So now, what you want to see from your your field goal kicker heading into the playoffs? It's not a good look. Nope. All right, let's go ahead and just jump right into the third quarter here today and talk about the Bears' defense. Um, They gave up 279 total yards and 54 plays, an average of 5.2 yards per play. Um, I need to know, and I asked you on Thursday, and I'm going to ask you again now that we've kind of watched this game, how much did the Bears miss Eddie Jackson today? You know what? I mean, there wasn't too many big plays. I thought Deion Bush did a, a pretty decent job out there. Um, so I don't think it was too big of an issue because look, they didn't get, you know, it was nine points there on the board for the 49ers. Uh, maybe if a Jackson's in there, you know, you never know what ends up happening there. He's a, he's a great playmaker. He's able to jump a lot of routes is Dion Bush is not going to do that. He's just got to make sure he's familiar with his assignments. Don't doesn't blow anything. That's a big thing for Dion Bush. So I would say in this one, because there weren't a lot of deep threats either. When you have Pettis go out, you have, you know, the starting running back go out. That really limits what that 49ers offense is able to do. So I wouldn't say it was the biggest hit on the Bears defense with not having A.J. Jackson, but they're definitely better with him. Right. Now, looking at the entire defense, and I agree with you real quick, too. I agree that Eddie Jackson's absence wasn't over glaring today, which I there was one play uh, early on. I think it was with uh, uh, the Western running backs, Breda. Yeah, early on on a run on the outside yeah. um, where Deion Bush kind of didn't fill his lane properly in the outside, which allowed that play to kind of happen. Um, but ever since then, things kind of sim- simmered down for the most part. Um, of course, he's still on number 39 out there, but we can't choose that, and he'll be back here hopefully soon. Um, but when I'm looking at this defense, going back to the side of the game too with how well the Bears were in the red zone, 
right after Trubisky's backward pass, um, they started off at the Bears' 26-yard line, and they ran seven plays and only 14 yards and had to settle for a field goal. That I have here circled in my notes. Like That could have been like the difference maker of the game if they would have uh, taken that as an opportunity to seize all momentum and the 49ers scored a touchdown in that drive. Uh, things could have This whole game could have went in an entire different direction, but for the Bears to hold Pat and only keep it a 6 nothing game, kept the Bears right in it in the first half, and that's a big reason why the Bears were able to stick around and uh, take the lead here uh, actually towards in the early in the third quarter. Um, anything else general-wise about the Bears' defense that you want to mention? Because uh, I would I know that the 49ers put up a lot of yards, not a lot of points this year, but I was still surprised of how effective like a Mullins would be. He surprised me a little bit today. Yeah, and I think uh, with him especially, there weren't, like I said, any sacks in that first half for the Bears. But they were still you know applying that pressure, but... You, I think, and this is really, uh, I don't want this to be a huge factor, but that field was not very good. It was. You see Kyle Fuller like backing up and he's slipping. You see the same thing happen to Prince of Mukamara. So, um, especially if you're not familiar with that field, I think it just had an, uh, it had an effect on, you know, the Bears defenders. And they do play on a field that's, you know, not as good, but has been holding up this season at Soldier Field. But, uh, I think overall, though, even with no A. Jackson, no Bryce Callahan. You you see these guys just kind of step up and you know not miss a beat. Sherrick McManus had a couple good plays in this one, and just guys are just stepping up consistently, and that's what you exactly what you want to see for a, a Bears defense that's been really good all season long. And when you don't allow them to you know hold them under you know double digits, that's exactly what you want from defense and getting you know a turnover, which they've done in a lot of games this season. It's exactly what you want for a team that's one missing starting running back, missing, you know, some receivers out there, you know, take advantage of that and don't let them get any type of momentum. And I think the bears did a really good job at that today. Well put. I like that a lot. I think that's a great segue right into our positional uh, breakdown here. We have to begin with the defensive line today. Um, I want to begin that with Akeem Hicks because um, the very first two drives of this game on, uh, he, on third down, he was able to get up, bat a ball down. For a guy who's been dealing with like an illness, which, I, again, I don't know exactly what it was all week, um, to come in and have two impactful plays on third down to start this game, I was like, all right, okay, I can get behind this. And he had another one in the second half. He had three batted passes in this game. I think he entered the game with three on the entire year combined. So for him to have three in this game alone uh, just proves – um, you know, just how he can impact games in a multitude of ways. But um, the reason why he was able to do this, because he did a good job of keeping his eyes on the quarterback, even if he knew he wasn't going to be able to hit home, get the quarterback hit or get the sack. Um, he kept his eyes on him. And if the ball is coming in his general vicinity, he'd go up there and try to get a hand on it. And it worked three separate times today. Um, on top of that, there's a huge hit that he had on a running back over the middle as well. I recall um, I was like, I don't pity anyone who has to go up. I do pity everyone who has to go up against Akeem Hicks one on one because he's a scary dude. Um, and then additionally, Eddie Goldman today, um, again, proved why he's such a very solid nose tackle. And there's a few times today where I saw him in the mix for within the tackle near the numbers. So for someone who's lining up over the center and is able to stretch out and get in on some of these plays um, near the numbers, it just proves um, the kind of range that he has and his speed and quickness uh, for a nose tackle that he possesses, which may go unnoticed or underrated more times than not. Um, how about you? Does anyone else or any other uh, insight you want to bring about the Bears defensive line? Yeah, I think they just did a great job. And we've talked about a couple times, you know, just in previous podcasts, like gap integrity. Look, the San Francisco running backs, uh, Brita, who went out with injury, and then you have Jeff, Jeff Wilson coming in for him. They finished total rushing 47 yards on 15 attempts. This wasn't a game where you need to abandon the run at any point. It's a 14 and nine game. So the 49ers definitely could have ran the ball or committed to it still, but they, I, they just weren't able to just because of what that bears front seven and, and really specifically that defensive line and being able to, you know, keep uh, in their lanes, make sure that offensive linemen weren't getting to the second level and blocking the linebackers. And that starts with Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, like you mentioned, Will. So I think they did a fantastic job at that. And that's why the San Francisco 49ers weren't able to establish any kind of running game and, you know, credit to those big men up front who are allowed the linebackers to roam free and do what they do best, just making tackles and uh, just mitigating any type of plays that go up to them. So great, uh, great by the defensive line as they've done all season long, John, and it all starts with Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. Let's go ahead and start with the linebackers now. I'm curious, let's start inside today. Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith combined for 16 tackles today. 
Uh, Roquan by himself had nine. Entering this game, he needed 18 to break Erlacher's rookie record. He's halfway there. He had his nine today, so just nine more next week, and he'll get the job done. But looking at Trevathan, looking at Smith, I believe both had very strong games for different reasons. But I'm curious. I'm going to go to you first. Um, what did you take away from their game? Man, I was just watching Dane Trevathan in in pass, you know, just in coverage. I thought he did a fantastic job just getting in the right breaks. And then whenever there's a underneath guy kind of running free, he's quick, very quick to close that gap, make the tackle, or even like dislodge the pass. And also screen recognition. Dane Trevathan's been good at that all season, but I thought it was definitely prevalent in this one today. So Dane Trevathan. Trevathan, one of the better, you know, cover linebackers in the league and just having that speed and, you know, just again, just being aware of what's going on in the field. That's why he was in perfect position to get that interception. Roquan Smith and Dan Trevathan were both in on that play, gets the interception, shows the concentration and just all the great aspects that are demonstrated on that interception, which is a happened again we talked about it at a pivotal point in the game you take away points from the 49ers and then you go back on offense so um danger vathan i think just in recognizing plays that's why he's a leader of the defense he calls out the plays big fangio has so much trust in him and it definitely was on display against the 49ers today yeah you talked about the interception and of course that was crucial down the stretch but even in the late in the second late in the second quarter um, in that very final drive, he had three big plays on that drive. He made a very strong open field tackle after the receiver was able to catch it to flat. He barreled down there and made sure that thing didn't go for any additional yardage. Um, the very next play, he followed that up with a really good coverage over the middle of the field, um, broke on the ball, was able to make contact with the receiver at the same time the ball got there, made that incomplete. And then a couple plays later, uh, he had another open field tackle right at the five, which that was the other challenge that we're wondering, did he make the line again? Did he not? Again, I'm a Bears fan, and I, I swear I saw him a little bit short, but apparently that was not the case, or they didn't have a good enough angle to overturn that one as well. But even that play as well to corral him, uh, which, hey, at a distance enough that allowed all that time to go off the clock, and yes, they did score the field goal. Um, but in that series alone, three plays in coverage from Danny Trevathan, they're all impactful in their own way. And then a Roquan Smith, um, he's, again, always near the ball, and that's why he's leading the team in tackles, and he had nine today on top of the stat sheet. Always near the ball. He had that sack in the second half where he came off the blitz um, untouched, which it was a... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Mixture of a poor blitz pickup, but also Roquan Smith just being so savvy and quick and elusive with how he blitzes um, that he was able to get in there and get that quick uh, sack as well. And then on top of that, he had two tackles for a loss today. So he's finding ways um, to make plays not just, you know, um, as a linebacker um, in his area of the field, but coming up, coming down, making plays near or behind the line of scrimmage, which, of course, can alter the course of any single drive. So for me, uh, Roquan Smith's ability to be wherever you need him to be in any given down um, was on full display today, which is why he has high marks from my end. What about you? Anything else about Roquan? You know what, Will? I just want to mention, I think you were the one, back when we dra- when the Bears drafted Roquan Smith, you said he'd be a pretty effective blitzing linebacker. Mm-hmm. And someone tried calling you out like, oh, he's a small guy who can't you know, blitz. What are you talking about? Well, Will, you knew exactly what you were talking about because Roquan Smith has been very effective at coming on those blitzes and just being able to see what the offensive line is doing, being uh, just taking every opportunity, going through a gap, and finishing the play. And so I just want to give you credit for that because I remember that conversation happening and just like, okay, I bet you, you know, once the season unfolds and things happen, I think Roquan Smith has, I, I want to say, like eight stacks on the season now or something like that. But he's been very effective at it. I, that just when that sack happened today, I thought about you, that Twitter conversation. I'm like, well, that guy's wrong. Whoever, oh man, it's going to be on one of those old takes exposed kind of thing. So I'll get that. <laughs> I'll look for that eventually. But just want to give you credit for that. I think you've been on the podcast for over three years, and that's the first time you did that, Nick. I think so. So I think I mean, it felt good doing that. I'll give you more credit, Will. You do a fantastic job. Well, how about this? Because I was doing some research on our Chris <laughs> Bacher on our countdown to camp during the secondary uh-huh. show. He had Kyle Fuller leading the league in interceptions as his prediction. And on top right. of that, 
I had the Bears having over 30 turnovers this year on defense, and that's happened too. So wow, we need to go back and see all these uh, know. you know things that happened early on because we're doing doing well so far. We were we knew what was going on ahead of time. We <laughs> we knew what was brewing up here in Chicago, but uh, after Nick patted me on the back, we're just going to kind of move forward here. I'm going to do it with a little bit more of a smile on my face because even though the Bears won, I'm having a hard time fully relishing in that fact right now. Let's move on to the <laughs> secondary here because um, again, for the most part. They did what they needed to do, but there were a few lapses, which a little bit, I think, does go to the field situation with some of these uh, DBs slipping. Um, but what's your take overall? Because even though they did allow over 200 yards through the year, I don't think it ever felt like they were playing that bad. No, no. There was only, uh, I think, at one point where Prince Mukamura got targeted twice on one drive. It was both with double moves, so he got beat on those. Um, yeah, I mean, that was like the only, I think, big issue there. I know Kyle Fuller slipped on a couple of them and didn't, uh, I think it was Kittle who caught a pass. Um, then he was able to get back up and then get the first down. But for the most part, look, Kittle, yes, he had seven receptions for 74 yards, but look, didn't have any touchdowns. And I think Adrian Amos did a really good job in this one because he disrupted a pass that was in the end zone for Kittle, was able to dislodge that and just open field tackling with Kittle. That's not an easy job for, you know, any member of the secondary, any any secondary, but there are a couple times where it's one-on-one, he's able to make this secure tackle. So I thought for the most part, having both Jackson and Bryce Callahan out, you have Sheriff McManus, Deion Bush step in, and for the most part, they did a pretty good job. So I'm happy with the secondary. Uh, like you said, the field conditions didn't really help them out because, re- look, the receiver knows where he's going, and then the DB obviously does not at the moment in time. So it's all quick reactions stuff, and for the most part, they kept things in front. Yeah, they did. And McManus, too. We gave him a lot of props last week, and he needs a little bit more kudos, too, um, after this performance because he had a few plays where he had some you know, very solid coverage. Um, one, he was on a double move. Uh, on an unlike Prince, he wasn't beaten. Um, he was able to stick with his guy. Um, and then as soon as the ball got there, it kind of went right up through his arms. Very clean move to knock that ball out along the sidelines. Um, but I'm curious. He talked about Bourne, uh, their wide receiver, and today he had four catches for 73 yards. And you said in the preview podcast that he's a very good route runner and he can make you know turn some of these DBs around. Um, there's one play that I remember from him in terms of um, getting a decent chunk, and I believe um, it was his 25 yarder, and I believe Kevin Tolliver was in coverage. They tried a dime package of putting him out there, which. Okay, I guess that's the strategy. I didn't know why we were, were doing that in that situation, um, but that's a different story. Um, I'm not going to complain. Vic Fangio is a genius, and I'm just here talking Bears football on a podcast. I'm not going to question Coach. But still, I'm curious to your take on, are you pleased with how well they handled? Because he and Kittle, Born and Kittle, had 11 catches for about 147 yards, which sounds like a lot. But again, when you keep him out of the end zone, you can live with that. Yeah, you definitely can. And I don't know uh, whether or not it was a very – look, Vic Fangio knows what he's doing, and we're just talking about this game. But when you have Kevin Tolliver, who's primarily an outside corner as your dime guy, who's playing – who's I think was in the slot at that time, mm-hmm. that's not giving – he's a bigger type of corner too. So I don't know if that's the best position you want to put a, you know, a rookie player – in and then have him go and guard a guy who's been, you know, a little productive for, for the 49ers. So I don't think you're putting your players in your best, you know, situation possible with that, but it's going to happen. Like you said, uh, there's going to be chunks. And when you have receivers for them and other playmakers go up, you have to give it to your best guys. And for the 49ers, they thought Bourne and Kittle were the best matchups to get productivity out of the offense from. So it's going to happen, but look, none of those guys end up in the end zone, obviously. So I think we've, we've talked about this before and it really hasn't been the case for this year. Like Ben don't break, but that, that was the case for this one. Look, they gave up some yards, but in, in the long run, there were no touchdowns given up to these guys and you're going to get some first downs happen. You're not going to be able to cover everybody, every single play and given the field conditions and having down some guys in the secondary, like I said, I think they did a pretty decent job with it. Isn't it ironic that the last two times that we played the 49ers, all their points have came from Robbie Gold? That is crazy. Yeah, I for- I completely forgot about that. Yeah, 15 last year, 9 this year. So, wow. He's their MVP. <laughs> and we won't be playing them next year. So, it's who knows the next time we play Robbie. But, I mean, I love the guy, but he always tends to kill us. And he almost did it again if he would have been able to uh, – score on a couple of those other opportunities that the 49ers had. It could have been uh, another one of those Robbie Gold event games because last year it was 15-14. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that didn't happen. I know Robbie Gold, like they were saying on the broadcast, has family in Chicago, really loved his time there and everything. But like you said, when it comes to playing Chicago, it's like, all right, you guys let me go. I'm about to put up 15, you know, just enough points for me to beat you guys. But I'm glad that wasn't the case this, this time. All right, so as we're wrapping things up here and we're about to enter the final quarter of our show, I just want you to guess how many incompletions for Trubisky in the second half. I just saw a tweet about this. Okay, let's see. Um, trying to think about this. Maybe one? Yeah, only one. He was 16 to 17 for 190 yards in that second half. I'm trying to think. I, I guessed one. I don't know who that incompletion was to, but we'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. It worked. And then uh, Matt Nagy said in his postgame presser about Trubisky, he's now taken that next step, and I love to see it. So, hey, progress. So we. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we do. The second that. Cosign. Cosign. All right, any final thoughts on defense? I know it took a little segue out of there, but any, any way you want to, you know, it's the Christmas season, put a bow on the defensive discussion. Yeah, so, again, the Bears only gave up nine points in two of 49ers offense. Like I said, last week did some good things, but – this is one of the top, if not the top unit in football. And uh, even down some key guys, they're able to do their thing still, create turnovers, uh, take away, you know, the rushing attack from opposing teams. It's going to be a hard team to beat, a hard team to score on. And the Bears, uh, you know, with Trubisky playing with how he is and then this defense playing the way that it is, it, it's, uh, it's a recipe for success. So I'm really liking what this Bears defense has consistently been able to do this season. I'm very excited to go back through the numbers here once uh, they all get updated throughout this week because I'm fairly certain um, between the Rams, the Packers, and now the 49ers, the Bears' red zone defense has just been oh, yeah. astounding, keeping teams out once they reach inside the 20. So I'm going to be checking on that here later on tonight because I'm very curious to see where that kind of stands because I know uh, they've been, the last two weeks were good, and of course it was a perfect 0 for 3. I'm still calling it 0 for 4. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see where they kind of stand after that. But Kudos to them because if they can keep that up throughout the po- like the postseason, so even if they allow some of these bigger plays to happen or if the offense puts them in a bad spot, they don't allow that to beat them. They they dictate if they're going to get beat or not. And usually they choose, no, you're not going to get past us. So for them to have that attitude, uh, that you know mental take on this, um, it's huge because um, especially in the past, even earlier this year, there are times where they would get some shorter fields and allow teams to get an easy touchdown. And it's like, okay, well, they had the shorter field. Even that's not becoming as impactful as it was. So for them to do that um, just changes uh, the potential of this team long-term, even if they put up 14 points or so. The defense playing how they have will keep you in the game more often than not, which just feels like Chicago Bears football when your defense can do those sorts of things. Um, Even with the offensive struggles, it still feels like Bears football too. But uh, if we're not kidding ourselves by any means. Um, But let's go ahead. Let's jump into the fourth and final quarter here. And uh, we have to begin with special teams today. Uh, not a lot to talk about. Um, we can gripe a little bit more about Cody Parkey if you want, or we can move on. Um, and then I believe they were in the first half, they had two penalties, um, one on a kick return, um, which is a holding, and then a block in the back on a punt return as well, um, which, again, um, the refs today were a little bit lenient. or not lenient. The opposite of lenient uh, <laughs> with the flags. But anything on special teams? Because I'm having a hard time coming up with anything that we need a discussion on. Yeah, the only thing, uh, they had Anthony Miller as a kick returner early on in the game, and then it did switch to Taquan Mizell, but I think that was obviously, well, Anthony Miller did get ejected, but um, you do want to, they're still trying to figure that out to see w- what is the best uh, option there because you can't have Anthony Miller, like we talked about it before on a previous podcast, like do you want him having another opportunity to get injured on a kickoff return? And really, honestly, it's only been uh, most times a, a a touchback anyway. So that's the only other thing I can think about on special team. Tree Cohen didn't have a lot of opportunities to uh, take some returns back. Um, I think you do need to do a little bit better in blocking in those situations. But other than that, there wasn't much from special teams outside of Cody Parkey missing a 37 yard field goal. And that will be, I think it on that one. There were zero punt returns by either team today. Really? Yeah. All fair catches huh. are out of bounds. Yeah. And yeah. that's interesting. Um, real quick, too, we talked about Anthony Miller. I took it as, since Allen Robinson was still getting evaluated for his True. injury, yeah. um, that he suffered after that long diving catch, which was a great snag, by the way. Um, as you know, uh, because we had two receivers go down with um, an ejection, we didn't have a lot of bodies at the position mm-hmm. this week activated. So I'm, I think they were just trying to be cautious to make sure that uh, they didn't get him dinged up on special teams just in case they needed him a little bit more. 
uh, for offensive plays. Um, but yeah, you I mean regardless, I think it's not a. I don't think he has that position locked down by any means. I think it's fluid, and there's not been one player who's taken a kick for the Bears. That I feel like is electrifying the position. So I'll take it for what it is. Yeah, for sure. All right, Nick. Have fun with this one. I'm going to ask you to grade this game. Depends on your perspective because this can go really any way you want it. Man, that's a tough one. Uh, 14-9. The defense did their thing as usual. The offense still, man, I think I'll give this one. Go on the road after clinching the NFC North. This could have easily, like we talked about in the preview podcast, been a trap game. Look, they won. They celebrated. I mean, obviously they want to play. They have that potential to get that first round by. I'll give this, I'll be a little less lenient. I'll go maybe C plus B minus just because this is a 49ers team that had DeForest Buckner on defense and three rookies in the secondary. And, you know, you put up 14 points. Mitch Trubisky still had a good day. Uh, the running game still got going, but you still want to see a little bit more success on that side of the ball offensively. Defensively did their thing despite being down a couple of key guys like we talked about. So I guess I'll go with a, a B minus for this one. I think it could have been a, a more dominant victory, but you'll take any win uh, that you can get it's on the road against a 49ers team that had some success the last two weeks, actually, against Denver and Seattle, beating both those teams. So it wasn't the worst team, but the Bears are definitely a better team. They proved they still won, but I think a B minus is appropriate for this. There's obviously things they need to work on. Exactly. Uh, for me, you look at the mistakes, and that's going to drive it down. You look at Trubisky's. Uh, backwards pass that led to three points. You look at Allison, Allen Robinson's fumble, which didn't lead to any points, but it could have ended up pretty much having costing the Bears the entire game if the 49ers found a way to drive down there and score a touchdown. But other than that, it just seemed like a very blah game. Yeah. I mean, you had the scoring drive before the half. Then you had a very long, time-consuming scoring drive to begin the third quarter, and that is about it. And other than that, you have some punts. Um, the mistake by Allen Robinson, and that's it. The defense did what we expect them to do in terms of keeping teams out of the end zone. I'll give it a B. Um, I really, I mean, it's a win on the road in the NFL, and those are hard to come by. Look at the Giants game for a good example of that. And uh, coming in this week, the 49ers were uh, three um, three of three in their last six. Um, they just beat Denver, and they also beat Seattle. So it's not like um, they're a team that you have to, you know, you can take for granted really in any way whatsoever. Yes, the Bears are the better team. We know that. Um, but the 49ers, we knew we were going to hang in there tough. We knew they were going to give the Bears team a fight. And that's what they did. But the Bears found a way to go punch for punch, toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe a little bit here, and end up on top. So for them to do that, I'll give them a B. Yeah, there are some things that we want to see worked out. But overall, um, very efficient from Trubisky besides that one play. Defense was able to do, um, you know, of course, you know everything we need of them. So, again, I'll give it a B. Um just because of the level, playing down to the level of the opponent, which I know has been a Bears issue all year. Um, but the good news is, since they played at the level of their competition, once we reach uh, the postseason, and even here coming up in Week 17, uh, we should be able to see a much better team as they kind of elevate their play to match their opponent. All right, Nick, two-minute warning time, and I have uh, two things for you to start this off with a smile on your face. Number one, uh, we did get Brandon finally for missing a preview show, so you're now officially tied for first place. Yes. So good luck with uh, breaking that tie potentially this week later on. Um, and on top of that, Nick, 11-4. and four. Chicago Bears are 11-4. and four. That's remarkable. So with that, uh, take it away. Yeah, the Bears are 11-4. Obviously clinched the NFC North last week when being the Packers. It's been a crazy season, and one that I guess we had high expectations, but not nearly like this 11 wins. I think looking back at the predictions, five of our, you know, people on the staff here had uh, nine, nine was the most wins and five, the majority had at that. So meeting far meeting expectations and look, they still have an opportunity to get a first round buy. They just got to take care of business against Minnesota next week and hopefully the Rams to, to lose a game, but it's been a pleasure to watch. And we have one more, regular season game to go into next week. And we just need to see this offense get a little bit more in a groove, but we saw the, the rushing game get a little bit going here at the later half of the season. Trubisky's starting to put, you know, two back-to-back -back games uh, together. Now that's exactly what you need for this offense to do some things in the playoffs. And you already know what the defense is going to do. They're going to bring it every single, every single drive, regardless, like we were talking about short fields or not, 
this is a defense you don't want to face, uh, especially in the playoffs and whatever team's going to be, you know, I guess not fortunate uh, to play the bears. It's going to, it's going to be uh, hard to beat them, especially at home, but it, it's weird. The bears are now six and zero when the offense starts the game first, Trubisky usually plays well. They just need to keep doing that. And I think, you know, who knows where this team will end up, but it's been, it's been really fun to, to watch Will. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, I'm back now at, for that tied place with the winning the games because I completely forgot. Hey, there you go. And again, you wrote that article about the Bears, like you said. Uh, once they start games with the football, if they start on offense, good things usually follow, especially in games where Trubisky is the starting quarterback. And as soon as I saw that the Bears lost and the 49ers <laughs> deferred, I knew we were going to win. I didn't know how. And at times, I was starting to doubt that decision. But hey, yet again, it worked. It worked. Exactly. So great, great timing on your end to write that article this week. Thank you. No problem. Now, for my two-minute warning, ah, gee, I mean, I said it a lot already, but it wasn't a perfect game by any means, really, at any phase, um, but the Bears still found a way to hung in there, and I think that's really the moral of the story today. Um, and on top of that, finding a way to overcome your mistakes, whether it be Trubisky's uh, you know, fumble that led the points, um, but afterwards he played very sound football because after that fumble, um, that comes to seven through – okay, so wait. I'm pretty sure he only had one incompletion since, or if not, did only like one or two. So if you want to talk about the scheme of things and how he was able to go ahead and really overcome a mistake, that's a great way to do that. He played great after that fumble. So for him to find a way to not dwell on it, move forward, use it as motivation to play even better for the rest of the game, that's what you want to see. And then, of course, for the Bears' other turnover, Allen Robinson at the end, for the defense to step up like they did um, to get the 49ers uh, to – turn it over on downs without even having them march all the way down the field to make this uh, us sweat just a little bit more um, just shows that the Bears are built to overcome mistakes. And I think that's an encouraging sign to see because a lot of us, including myself, were wondering, is this going to become a game um, like we saw against the Giants on the road or the game that we all went down to travel to uh, week six, Miami on the road? Is it going to be one of those games? But it wasn't. We found a way to change the narrative here. And even though the road has been kind of our bugaboo this year, especially with, against some of these inferior opponents. Um, after some big wins, the Bears, are they found a way to change that. And that's what we wanted to see going down the stretch. Then we have one more away game. It's going to be Minneapolis. And that one's going to be very difficult to come away with the victory to end the season 12-4. and four. But I believe they can do it if they want to show up. And Minnesota's going to have a lot to play for. They have a wild card spot on the line. So they're going to be giving it their all. So we're going to be in for a big-time battle here next Sunday. Um, but I just have a feeling that the Bears are going to find a way to hang in there yet again. There's again all of these Bears losses came what combined is it is it what thirteen points? I think Four so. Points? Yeah, it's, it's maybe yeah. It's all very close. So no matter what, expect another close one next week. Uh, so f- that's really it. Again, Bears won. It wasn't pretty. It was kind of boring at times. It wasn't uh, pretty football by any means. But sometimes you can still be ugly and still win. At the end of the day, you're still a winner, and that's what we're going to call it today. Uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I have some family here and I hear them getting kind of rambunctious downstairs. So I'm going to have to go check in on that. Uh, so to everyone who joined us here live, I want to thank you. I know it is a holiday season. And of course, to the thousands of people who are listening around the podcast worldwide, I uh, just want to thank you guys as well. We would not be here if not for you. Again, the Bears win 14-9 against the San Francisco 49ers. They improved to 11-4 and on the season. Now, we'll begin our Week 17 preview later on this week. But until then, again, from our family to yours, I want to wish you a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. But until then, have yourself a great Christmas Eve and Victory Monday at the same time. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago.